All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? I'm in my prime. Ain't it cool? First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. What up everybody, DJ Nubis. Here with you on the Hordes of Chaos on Metal Tavern Radio, the podcast. Hope you're all doing well. I'm feeling much better than I have recently, so that's always good. Uh, watched the Virginia Cavaliers play the ACC uh, championship game last night. That didn't turn out too well. Clemson waxed our asses pretty bad. so That was a bummer, but kind of expected. I mean, we weren't really on their level anyway, but you can always hope. Uh, today, man, I've got a lot of good shit for you, music-wise, as usual. Um, entertainment news-wise, I've got a lot of different stuff. Early on, basically basically talking about movies, uh, movies coming up, whatever. Later on, I'm, it's going to get a little more interesting. I've got basically uh, two topics in music news that are probably going to be a little bit, what do you want to say, <clears throat> thought-provoking, I guess. Um, the first one is going to be a big one, uh, mainly because I kind of side with the guy who is being interviewed, but for various reasons. There's there's always various reasons to everything, but and I'll get into that. Um, and I also got some Devin Townsend news later on, which is kind of cool. I'm really happy about that. First thing I want to talk about, though, before we get into the music is I recently had a chance to go see the movie Knives Out. A lot of big names in this movie. Uh, I was getting a lot of praise from Rotten Tomatoes and critics, so it's doing pretty well in that regard. It was a really good movie. I think I ranked it a 9 out of 10. Uh, It's it's almost, the movie itself is almost like Clue in a way. (laughs) Uh, It's a a murder mystery type of thing, and... uh, what it is is basically you got a story around a fiction writer named Harlan Thromby, played by Christopher Plummer, whose family consists of three major players. So he's got his siblings, um, his daughter Linda, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and her husband Morris Don Johnson. Uh, their son is Ransom uh, Chris Evans, uh, who played uh, Captain America, of course. 
Um, Son Walt, Michael Shannon, who is a really good actor. I've seen him in various things like um, Boardwalk Empire, and he was in like one of the Superman movies. He's been in a lot of different things. He plays some pretty weird characters here and there. Uh, and of course, he has his wife and son. And then the third player, daughter-in-law, Joni, played by Tony Collette from Hereditary and uh, Sixth Sense and all stuff like that. And her daughter, Meg, Catherine Langford. So those are the three main uh, groups of siblings for Harlan. And then, of course, at the center of all this is uh, Harlan's caretaker, Nanny, uh, Marta. So what happens is they get together. Uh, Harlan has, like, an 80th or whatever birthday celebration and everything seems fine although you always you see like there's these cracks where arguments are on the arguments on the side are taking place and it's that all shit comes up later but what happens is the next day it's discovered that Harlan has committed suicide and you know the local cops are coming to talk with everybody about it and then um out of the blue, uh, someone has hired uh, a private detective named Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig from James Bond uh, fame, uh, who is being hired because he believes that, or whoever hired him believes that Harlan was murdered. So now we have all this going on. And of course, the story gets more and more interesting because, as it turns out, Harlan has now cut out his siblings from his will. And, you know, now it's like, and it, the family's like, they're pissed. Like, they, they want that money. So it makes the drama that much more serious. Um, and, of course, there's all these twists and turns towards the end to figure out who did it, who, if anyone is guilty of killing him and whatnot. And so there's just all this shit going on. It's really well done. Um, the acting is great. All the actors and actresses are great in this. So I highly recommend it. Knives Out. Give it a 9 out of 10. You might do better. It's, it's pretty fucking good. Go check it out. All right. In our first uh, block of music here, new stuff from Sentient Horror, which I played a while back, but I finally got their vinyl in for Morbid Realms. Fucking kick-ass record. Uh, also got some apostles of perversion in here, but I'll kick it off with one of the albums that right now we're getting towards the end of December. So my best of list is just about complete. I don't think anybody's going to really jump into the fray here late. Sometimes it does happen though. Next podcast I'm actually doing is my best of 2019. So be ready for that. This band's going to make that list. Brand new cattle decapitation with all disrespect and man just like the last record this one kicks so much ass here we go enjoy
Back here now on the Hordes of Chaos, DJ Nubus, your host. Couple of, well, one movie to get to and also one TV series to get to. And both of them look really good. Uh, obviously, the movie, uh, I got a teaser trailer the other day for No Time to Die, the new James Bond flick featuring Daniel Craig, who I was talking about from Knives Out. Uh, from everything that Craig has said, like, Craig is kind of done with James Bond, so this is probably going to be his last film in that uh, arena. Uh, he did a really good job. I've always grew up on Bond films, and I was always a big Roger Moore fan uh, through that era that he was in there. Uh, I also learned to appreciate Timothy Dalton and his work. I actually, it was kind of funny, when it comes to Bond, most people are like, yeah, I like the Pierce Brosnan stuff, and I'm like, really, that's the ones I don't really care for. And it's not really because of Brosnan. I thought Brosnan did a pretty good job as Bond. I just don't like the scripts. And I didn't really like the movies themselves. Like, they weren't that interesting to me for one reason or another. Um, <clears throat> I think the closest one that I liked, and I'm not sure if I remember the name of it, but uh, it's the one with uh, What's-Her-Face playing Christmas. Um, I can't remember her name offhand. She was in... Starship Troopers, but anyway, uh, that was probably one of the series from him that I actually kind of enjoyed. The other ones, not so much. Uh, so I did like Roger Moore. I like Timothy Dalton. I love Daniel Craig stuff. Of course, Sean Connery is a classic, but um, I don't know. I don't watch those quite as much as I watch like the Daniel Craig or Roger Moore films, or even the Dalton. Dalton did two films, and he took a lot of heat for it at the time because he wasn't what the fans wanted but I thought he did a pretty good job and the movies that he did uh, were actually very well written and very entertaining so if you haven't given those a shot do so but coming up of course No Time to Die uh, I'm not sure when it's getting released um, trying to see looks like it's scheduled for April 2020 so kind of a strange time for it but either way the, 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 there's a lot of controversy with this film just because of, you know, supposedly they're going to be passing the torch from Craig to a female Bond, and I don't know if she's going to have the same number or it's going to be a different number. I know there's a part in the trailer where he asks her if she's a double O and she says yes for a couple years now or something, but so whether or not she's going to be double O seven, she may be, I mean, we've always had like other double O's in the past, so maybe she's just a whole different double O altogether. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to fare either. I mean, obviously we are faced with Hollywood trying to mix it up and be more inclusive with women. Sometimes, though, I feel like they're just forcing the square peg into a round hole because I don't think you have to necessarily force it. But in this case, uh, they do seem to be going forward with trying to uh, include women and also use them as, in this case, a, a bond of some sort. So, how it is going forward, I don't know how it will do. I don't know either. It could be really bad. You know, I hope, e either way, I hope they're not going to blame it on men just not wanting to go see it. If they don't feel like it's going to be good, there's no sense wasting money for it. Um, one note in this is also is Remy Malik, uh, who did 
who played uh, Freddie Mercury in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody is in this, and I think he plays probably the villain. Uh, he's a really good actor, so I'm kind of looking forward to that as well. The what the trailer itself shows a lot of Craig, so <clears throat> I do think that the movie still centers around him for the most part, which is good, and that's what I want. It looks really, really good, so I'm excited for that. Uh, you also have uh, Naomi Harris, Christopher Waltz, and Ralph Fiennes in this, which is good. Good actors and actresses. Uh, the next thing I want to get to is I think CBS is going to be doing a new TV series uh, off of the Star Trek uh, series. It's called Star Trek Picard. And I don't know super a lot about it. I caught a quick glimpse of it, but uh, obviously it's going to be centering around uh, Patrick Stewart's character from Star Trek The Next Generation when he did all that in the past. So looks like it could be a lot of fun. I'll be checking it out. Um, yeah, so that's coming up as well. So if you haven't seen the trailers, read one of those, go and check them out. Next music block, uh, Hellraiser and Carnif Carnifolate, something like that. Uh, Carnifolate. Uh, but I'm going to kick it off with a band that uh, is from a Virginia area. They actually played a show with uh, Mikhail and uh, Emerge Attire in a while back when I first saw them. And they're now just releasing their debut record. Like, they've been around for a couple of years, but it looks like they're just now getting everything. They used to, you know, release like a song here or there on YouTube or whatever, but now they have their record in full debuts out called The Prophecy. I've got a song here that's called In Eternum, and the band is called Deathless. Check it out, they're very cool.
Hey, gee, thanks for your attention. My name is Marcos Colos, I'm from Angelica, and you're listening to Metal Tavern Online Radio. Alright, we're back. DJ Newis with you on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast with a new edition of the Hordes of Chaos. So, uh, something I want to get to... Um, this is definitely going to be a bit of a controversial topic, uh, but I, I think it's more complex than what some people may believe one way or the other. So here's here's the issue. Uh, recently, uh, Destruction Bases vocalist Marcel Shermer was interviewed, and I don't know how it came up, but he started talking about Metallica and whether or not uh, Metallica was still angry at this point in her life, and one of the things he mentioned was, well, the band is full of billionaires, so what do they have left to be angry about? Well, this kind of set some metal fans into a tussy, and, uh, you know, they've been kind of condemning Marcel, saying that, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about, he's a moron. I think, I think it's a little more complex than that, and here's why, um... I think he has a valid point, and one of the points he brought up was is that when you're not struggling to make ends meet, you're not struggling to find uh, a decent income, or you know you're living with your mom, or you're living uh, on someone's floor. You know, when you know a struggling artist generally, especially in the metal scene. It's not pretty. I mean, I used I, even though I was never an actual musician, I, I did live that similar lifestyle, and I, even though I had it better than most, uh, it was still it was still kind of shitty and depressing. And you know, it's not there is still a lot to be angry about. A lot of it could be due to your own self not having a job or whatever. But one of the things I have noticed with bands, okay, is when they first come out and there no one knows about them and you know you look at the corns you look at fucking metallica you know there's a lot of anger there a lot of intensity and then as time goes on these bands start gaining uh traction and you know more fans and then the money starts coming in uh you know their their music identity shifts good or bad so in cases like Corner or Metallica, you know, as time has gone on, you know, the music changed. Now, part of that, obviously, which has been pointed out, is that as you get older, you do change a little bit, and your interests change, and your your thought process changes. I'm not the same that I was when I was a teenager. I mean, just from a political or uh, even just an outlook on life in general, like there's. You know, I'm not the same that I was, and that some of that's just because you learn and experience new things and observe new things. And one of my things with Metallica was was never that they really shifted their identity; it was that they used their moniker to capitalize on past glory. So it was like they never had to restart. You know, it wasn't like they just woke up one day and said, "Okay." We're going to be a rock band now, but we're going to leave Metallica behind. We're just going to start something new. They wanted to use the moniker, which they had already built, 
to capitalize on that financially. And he did. Now, <clears throat> let me be clear. As a band, you have the right to run your band any way you want. If you want to fucking wake up one day and decide you want to be pop, that's your prerogative. You know, that if that's the musical direction that you want to go. Not saying that's what Metallica was doing, but just that in general they switched gears and went in another direction. And that's their right. They can do that. That's their, It's their project, their band. But with that comes some criticisms because... All the fans that were there at the beginning that were into the earlier stuff that built your fan base and built you up to where you were, you know, of course they're going to take it a little personally when you all of a sudden abandon what you were doing. Some some fans didn't mind it. Some stuck with them and enjoy the later shit as well as the old shit. Some like the new shit and don't like the old shit. It just depends, but... I think one thing that does happen is, and, and this is what Marcel was getting at, is that once, you know, you've gone through the ringer of being, you know, struggling artists and living in on the streets or in your car or, you know, drinking every night, whatever, whatever the case, like, once you've kind of hit the golden plateau of getting money and being able to move into a nicer home, nicer area... Uh, get married, have kids, whatever. You know, it, it changes you for a lot of different reasons. But one, also, it helps, you know, whether or not we like or dislike capitalism, it, it is does run the way, at least in America, how we live our lives. So, you know, for me and my wife, we're doing better than we ever have because of her job. But it's not like we can just all of a sudden abandon where we are and go move into a mansion. We're not at that level. And if we were, and we had all that kind of money, sure, my life would be a lot easier, and I'd be able to do a lot of fucking things that we had always wanted to do. Like, you know, we're trying to build up to that. It doesn't mean that I'm not happy or can't be happy where I'm at. Um, it doesn't mean that if I have it a little bit better than someone else that I lose some sort of street cred with the metal community because of that. Like, that's bullshit. I get that. I get that argument. And that's what some people were saying to Marcel about this, is that you can't really bash the guys in Metallica just because they're wearing uh, cargo pants and, you know, shopping Gucci or whatever. Like, you know, Metallica paid their dues. So, I mean, it's not like they didn't do that. But I get the... I also get the point that at this stage in our life, they really don't have as much to be angry about in terms of how they live. Like, you can be angry about what's going on in the world, and that can reflect in your music, but at the same time, on a personal level, I get what Marcel was saying, because once you've dug yourself out of a certain area uh, in your life, and you're doing better, and you're no longer struggling on the financial end of that, it, it is it does alleviate a lot of that pain, and you know, good or bad, that, that's still a reality. And I think that's what Marcel was getting at here. And even though a lot of fans were just, like, really coming down on him for it, for the comments, maybe because he didn't really elaborate like I am. Um, that could be part of the problem when you do interviews, that if you're not elaborating fully on something, <laughs> people will take it out of context and rip you apart for it. Um, but 
I thought it was an interesting uh, perspective, and it's something that I've always thought about because I've seen it happen with other bands. Like it's just like we hear it all the time. You know, oh man, I was such a such fan of the band when they were underground. Now they're like all popular and people like them, and they're making lots of money. And their sound changed, so now they suck. It, it you know, it just that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Whether some bands can make that transition and still be good at their trade and I don't want to say Metallica's not good because they know how to play but the reality is anything after really the Black Album which is still not even my favorite album there's like two or three songs I like off that record but ever since that record on there really hasn't been much interest into the band for me Hardwired was a nice little nod back and there was some again some selected tracks in there that was probably their most aggressive one that I've liked since then even though it's not on par of Master of Puppets or Kill or uh, you know the previous ones Ride the Lightning and Kill Em All it's not in that vein but they did a nice little nod back to it. I mean they're you know these guys are all in their 50s and whatnot and they're approaching the, the twilight of their careers so you know we're seeing Slayer retire so at some point these guys just have to hang it up I mean they could probably play this cock rock shit for a while and get away with it because it's not as uh, abusive on their bodies but as far as like the changing of the times and whether or not they're still angry uh, I guess part of this also is do you really want to live your life always angry and I, I get that argument as well like you really shouldn't have to but really, for the rest of us who struggle day to day to make ends meet or are still living in shitty neighborhoods and all that stuff, so we can still be angry about that. Like, you know, we're not at the place that some of these bands are, and that doesn't mean that we have to be to be happy, but I can certainly understand Marcel's viewpoint on this as... It does change bands, whether they want to agree to it or not. It does change them. Um, but there are multiple reasons why it changes. It's not just one thing or the other. Uh, but, yeah. So, whatever your takes are, you can feel free to give me some feedback on that stuff. I'm more than willing to listen to people what they have to say about it. Uh, it's an interesting topic. Anyway, we'll jump back into the fray here with some more music. Uh, in this block, I've got some Killer Hurts, great thrash band out of the UK, some Opium Lord, and I'm going to kick it off with, I finally, I saw these guys, man, it must have been like a year or two ago, in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, they're unique, and they're good, and they're funny as fuck, and they're incredibly humble guys. Uh, at the time that I saw them, they didn't actually have their CD on hand so I couldn't buy anything at the time and they didn't have anything I could really buy online so basically uh, recently they put out a combo pack with some stickers, a koozie and their CD for like 10 bucks uh, it's well worth it <clears throat> so definitely check them out the band is called Banana Slamma they're fucking hilarious uh, three guys that dress up as apes or they, they will say they're apes anyway but they dress up as apes and they play some death grindcore music and they're fucking great. Check them out. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oakley-dokley, back with your Meltdown Radio Podcast. This is the Hordes of Chaos. It's about that time for the Rock Block. Uh, not a whole lot in the way of new stuff. I do have a couple of new tracks in there that kick us all off, but got some old stuff from Queen, Boston, some George Lynch, as well as Medication, featuring uh, Whitfield Crane from Ugly Kid Joe. Uh, to kick it off, though, um, believe it or not, even though I haven't really listened to this band since 94, uh, L7, uh, the grunge band that has, uh, they obviously made a name for themselves way back when with Bricks Are Heavy and the song Pretend We're Dead and all that, but, uh, they have a new record out this year called Sky of the Rats, so I got a chance to hear it. Didn't even know they had a new record until someone posted about it, so it was kind of cool. I went and checked it out. Uh, it wasn't bad. I, the good thing about the band is, uh, even though I haven't heard the late 90s albums they have, but as far as the new one, they still have that unique you know, 90s alternative sound, so they didn't really miss a beat there. So it's, it's pretty decent. It's got some good tracks on it. And I'm going to kick it off here with some Ouija Board Live. Oh, 
the sorrow all through our splendor Don't take offense at my innuendo racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champ and flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line at Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. 
They will also be racing at Hunters Town Speedway and Keppel City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Farm Local Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
Closing out the rock block. Medication with underwater. DJ Nubis. Back with you on the Metal Town Radio Podcast. With the Hordes of Chaos. Getting ready to jump back to Metal Fray here. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming movie Little Women. Uh, I've touched on this a little bit in the, in the past episodes with Neko and whatnot. The... I've never saw the original, you know, some of the other adaptations of this movie or book, and I've never read the book. I know a little bit of what it's about, obviously, but uh, the only reason why I'd even go check out the new version, which I'll have to wait till Neko's back in town because she'll kill me because she really wants to see this. It's more her thing as far as like plots and all that. It's just more her type of movie than mine. The only reason why I'd be interested, of course. For those that know the noobs man, I've got a bit of a celebrity crush on Emma Watson. But I did want to touch on some of the reviews about the movie, because uh, critics have already seen it, obviously. It's being released in a couple weeks, I think. But uh, the critics are loving the movie. They think it's a great take. Uh, Gerwig, who is directing it, apparently uh, is giving it like a fresh look and... I guess from what I understand, she kind of changed the ending a little bit. I don't know if that's good or bad. Some people were a little conflicted about that possibility of what it means. But as far as the critics are concerned, the movie is really good. And they really love uh, Ronan and Pew in this. Um, obviously, you got Merle Streep and Laura Dern. But the one concern, I guess, for me is that when it comes to Emma's performance, she's not getting any really high praise here. It's in fact she's kind of being thrown under the bus in terms of like how they feel about her uh, performance here. Like usually they're saying either she's bland, um, stoic maybe, and then like they were saying something to the effect that uh, she was miscast. I don't know if that's really true. I don't know if I agree with that because I think when it comes to a character like Meg, just based upon what I've seen, it's really kind of up Emma's alley in terms of the kind of role she likes doing. If there's one thing that I struggle with with Emma, is I don't think she's very um, adventurous when it comes to roles. And Now, she'll say, of course, she chooses roles if they mean something to her and has something more positive to say, which I get. You know, that's it's all part of her feminism thing and you know, her trying to be um, a good role model for women. <clears throat> but I think when it comes to her career as an actress, like, it hinders her in the sense that I don't think she really pushes herself. Maybe not, at least not as far as, like, challenging roles. Like, she isn't usually out of her comfort zone. The one time she did go out of her comfort zone, I actually really loved, and that was her basically portraying herself in This Is The End, the, the comedy and of course, there's all the the rumors about the stuff on the side that may have affected her and kind of pushed her to do the feminism thing in, in general. But I want to get into all that right now. It's just it's all hearsay anyway. But the role itself that she had was great. I thought it was great. And I think it was a great uh, thing for her to do because I did not expect her to do that. And it came out very nice. I thought it was great. Um, I would love to see her do more things like that. Like, I'd still want to see her in some sort of horror movie. Uh, she was offered a role for a particular movie, which I can't remember the name now. But 
it had a movie with Ashley Green in it as well, and she was going to be obviously the star of it. It had kind of like a Final Girl vibe about it, but it's not that particular way. There's another movie called Final Girl, which is really good, a lot better than the one that she was supposed to go with, but Emma Chandler chose to turn that down because uh, it's really not her thing, which, again, her choice. I mean, she, ever since she was young, she was able to be afforded the luxury of basically making a career out of a really big franchise that helped her along and now she's rich as fuck and can choose and do whatever she likes and that's a nice thing to have as an actress but for a lot of the other ones you know they're all having to work up from the ground up basically without that luxury of the franchise behind them so I don't know what Emma's goal is with her career at this point like I oftentimes feel like because she's so into not the celebrity part of it like she constantly talks about it and you know I, I get it I wouldn't want to be dealing with that kind of shit all the time either but I think whether she's going to just go straight into activism maybe politics at some point I don't know uh, acting I'm sure she really enjoys it I mean she did great in Beauty and the Beast obviously but I don't see her doing roles that really challenge her or, or put her outside of her box. And so therefore, when I see critics say, you know, she's letting her American accent uh, come through when it's not supposed to be or that she's miscast or bland, it's only concerning because I really want her to do well. I like her. I, I generally like her acting. I don't really have a big problem like most people do, but... I can understand some of the criticism because if you're doing the same type of characters over and over again, uh, it doesn't really leave a lot of room for growth. And I think if you're really going to push yourself as an actress, if you really enjoy it, you need to really kind of go outside your boundaries and challenge yourself with stuff that, despite being if the topics are risque or whatever, you know, we all know that it's fake. You got to at some point separate. The fantasy from the reality of the world so as an actress if you're going to push yourself like some of these other actresses do by doing different roles and that's something she'd consider just input there all right back to music uh we're going to kick off the next block with a band out of uh madison wisconsin a death metal band called uh casket robbery and i uh, had a chance to uh, I'm part of like a metal group on Facebook, I don't remember which one, but singer uh, Megan Orvold, uh, also aka Grave Witch, she's in that group and I kind of discovered her through that. I didn't even hear of Casket, Casket Robbery before that, so went and checked out their band, pretty cool, got some good music in there, and I'm going to play a track for you right now, kicking off this next block. It's called Pockets Lined with Flowers.
called Raven and you're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, there's some rhodium there with Man of Honor. DJ New is back with you. Alright, so a couple more news bits on the music news area for you. Uh, first thing was uh, I saw that uh, the band Uwada, uh they were complaining apparently recently about like a festival they were playing and it was in 90 degree heat or some shit. I don't know, maybe it was less than I'm not sure, but uh, they were complaining a little bit about that because you know they're in black and leather and shit and all that stuff. But some of the fan bases, I really give them a hard time about it, calling them divas, whatever. Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny because you know you always notice it comes with the territory. I mean, I, I the thing about black metal bands though playing in sunlight, even though it's kind of expected, just because you don't have a choice and how the festival hooks you up and puts you in a schedule. But a few years ago, when uh, Take played uh, MDF, they had him playing like I don't know, it must have been six or seven in the evening. It was still daylight out. And they sounded great, obviously, but I think with black metal, it, it does kind of take away the aesthetic that you're trying to present as a band. And I, I don't think I've ever seen Uada. Um, I've always I like their music, some of their music, obviously, um, but I've never seen them live. But the thing is, with like a lot of black metal bands, they use elaborate stage props and visuals, and you know so some of that when you're playing in the middle of the day kind of gets lost. I, I've seen like past clips of like Demi Warrior back in the late 90s playing in the daylight. It just doesn't have the same effect for me um, just because how I see it in my mind when black metal was played so I kind of get the argument uh, this isn't what Uada was really complaining about though, more so just the heat and how they had to deal with I guess they were struggling to make it through the set because it was so hot but you know that kind of comes with the territory you kind of need to just keep yourself hydrated and do all the stuff necessary so that you're not passing out on stage I mean safety first obviously uh, but they're taking a lot of shit from fans because they're complaining about it so yeah it goes with the territory uh, the next bit of news is a little bit more interesting um, big Devin Townsend fan for people that know uh, you know, he quit Strapping Young Lad a few years ago because he was kind of tired of, I think not only because of the way the label was handling the band, but the fact that, you know, from last time I saw him, uh, he was like, he's no longer really angry. We're getting back to the angry stuff here, so... But I think for Devin, it's more just a Zen thing rather than financial. I'm sure he's doing much better financially now than he ever has, but for him, it was a more of a mental aspect of moving on from the anger. But I'm glad that he's addressing this now because he's talked about revisiting some of the Strapping Young Lad material, uh, presumably to play. I don't think he's planning on writing new material or playing with the band again, but... It seems like he's not afraid to go back down into that well and play the material initially. I remember when I last saw him in concert was 
Uh, not for Empath, but I haven't got a chance to for Empath yet, but the last record. Uh, you know, he played Detox, but it was like a a reworked version. It was like acoustic, and, you know, he was like, I'm going to play Detox for you, but it's more of a happy-go-lucky version. And I think it was fine, but, you know, it, it's not really what people want to hear, per se. Uh, not not me, especially, because I really love the Strapping Young Lad material. Uh, but now that he's saying that, you know, he's no longer afraid to go back down there and play that stuff, you know, he, he understands that playing that music doesn't necessarily mean you have to be angry the same way you felt before. It's just you're playing the songs, and you're playing it, really. Which I'm surprised it took Devin this long to kind of figure out, but you're playing it for the people that are still angry. Not just you, but the rest of the people that still want to hear those tunes, still feel what you felt back then. And I, I'm glad that he's kind of approaching this now and not shying away from it. Like I don't think you should ever shy away from anything you've ever done uh, artistically. So I'm really happy about that. I think they're coming through here in Baltimore probably in February of next year. So I'll, I'll be looking to go check that out when they do. Empath uh, is a great record for what it is. Obviously, it's his new direction. But if he ends up playing some Strapping Young Lad tunes in the set, I'm going to be overjoyed. So we'll see how that goes. I'm very excited about that, though. I'm excited that as an artist, he continues to grow and realize that all his stuff means something to his fan base. All right. We're going to plow through here. Next, uh block here. You got some black metal coming your way. We're going to kick it off though with some doppelganger. The Commordium and Vicious.
is Jessica from Factory of Dreams. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio.
stuff from Cartoon Theory, West White Tiger. DJ Nubis, ready to close out another edition of the Hordes of Chaos here. Hope you all enjoyed it. Hope I kept you entertained. Are you not entertained? Alright. As I said early in the show, uh, next podcast is actually going to be my best of 2019. Usually, usually I like to have Neko do these with me. Like, I usually will give her uh, MP3s of the band, of the albums that I like, and she usually listens to them. But she didn't get, didn't get a real chance doing it, and she's out of town. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, she won't be here for that. Um, but I have a great lineup of stuff. Uh, a lot of great albums I got to this year. Uh, kind of worked out well. Usually, like, you know, it could be a little less, sh a shorter show, or it could be a little longer, but it turned out to be about the same in terms of the actual music that's being played. So it just kind of worked out that way. But a lot of great stuff I heard this year, both in rock and metal. And I hope you all enjoy the next show. Uh, I'm going to be talking a lot about those bands. So I gotta make sure I do all my research in terms of where they come from and you know who they are and whatnot and try to give you the best information as possible while doing that. Alright, one last track from you comes from Inverse Records, a band called Sonus Corona Induction. See you all later. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Peace out.